0: Мучили дела Каждый день, каждый день, каждый день Да, тла песни и стихи Дарепетень, день, дарепетень Весь год Жила-была и вдруг взяла, села забрала и ушла И вот Такие грустные дела у меня Теперь Хоть целый вечер Подари, подари, подари Поверь Только говори, и из рук, из рук он плохо шли дела, У меня шли дела, и вдруг сгорели пламенем дотла, Не дела, а зола, весь она жила, говорю, Взяла, забрала и ушла, и вот опять веселые дела у
1: меня. нет. Hey, this is Armand DeMille with you with a Positive Mind here in WBAI 99.5 FM, Russian to get to you. Here with Linda Vanella and the returning Julian Joyella. Welcome back, Julian. Now that you've seen the West Coast, can you stand the East? I don't know, man. That was the first time, right?
2: First time as an adult, I guess, yeah. Yeah.
1: We did a, uh, during the fun drive, we did this offering where we took 12 classes, lessons that I had produced for psychotherapists, specifically training classes, and we put them together in a package and offered them to you. And I realized that as we were doing that, it didn't end. That part of the training that I would do for any therapist is to train them about the issue of love. Now, this is a very funny thing to be talking about because who needs to be trained when it comes to love? Isn't love great? Well, as a therapist, you might train a person how to deal with people and the attire they wear, right? Because we're trained as therapists to look at people when they walk in. If they walk in and they're dirty and smelly and You wonder, well, this is one kind of way to be. Their appearance means a lot. Here's what are they saying to the world. The way they speak. Do they speak deliberately? Do they speak succinctly? Or are they random thinkers? We observe that. We watch. We wonder. So there's so many different things that we wonder about. The biggest question, or a big question, equally big question, is how do they eat, what do they digest, what's going on inside the person at any given moment, how do they bond? Now that becomes another question. If you're training, if you're a therapist and you look at somebody, you need to know how this person bonds because whatever method they use for bonding is the tool that you're going to use to have them get better. They have to bond with a the therapist as well. Do you have to bond with your therapist? Do you have to bond with your car mechanic? Yes. Yeah, he's going to be futzing with your car. You want him to take care of your car. Some kind of bonding is very good. So how does a person bond? And then how do they not bond? And what's real and what's not real and what's normal and what's not normal. Now, let's address the issue of what is normalcy. We talked a little earlier about normalcy. And we said that what is normal, you know? Is a runner's high a normal state of mind? Let's say you go running. And you, Linda, you love to run, don't you?
3: Yes, I do. Right? Yes.
1: Running. Okay, and you run around the dam and you, you, you go around the... Uh, and then all of a sudden you get to a certain point, you feel terrific.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Question is, is that a sane moment? Is it a sane moment you work out in a gym? You hit a punching bag a hundred times, right? You feel yourself filled and pumped. Are you now sane? Interesting, huh? Or you see a chicken and you behead it because you're going to make it for dinner and you cut off the chicken head, does that make you feel good? Are you now sane? So what is normal is the question. Raping and pillaging makes you feel good. I tell you the raper and the pillager when he's out there doing it, makes him feel good. He beats his chest and all his buddies look at him and he says, I am a normal man, I'm a normal person. Or is it praying in church? Is the person going to church and kneeling down in the pews, you know, and then praying to God? Is that normalcy? So you need, you see, you're trying to search for a definition of normalcy, and the one that we're gonna take, you know, is taking Valium normal? What about that? Hey, I'm a little nervous. I take Valium, I feel calm. Now I'm normal. First two shots of bourbon. Team scoring in soccer when everybody jumps, is that normal or just feeling good? Therefore, is remorse, sadness, abnormal because you don't feel good? Is anything that feels good, normal? Then anything that feels bad is abnormal, if that's the way we're defining it. Like illness is abnormal. When people living beyond the years, over 65, sick in the head, PMS must be abnormal, right? Uh, menopause has to be abnormal, midlife crisis has to be abnormal, has to be because you're unhappy during that time. So my question becomes is therefore do we set an ideal and the ideal is what we call love and we find the state of mind that's fabulous fantastic, where you connect. And when you connect, you have this connection, this incredible, beautiful connection with another human being. And you say, I feel love. And that feeling matches the most perfect feeling you've ever had in your life. And therefore, we say, this is my moment of sanity. Sorry to tell you, it's your moment of insanity. It's probably the opposite of that. So we as therapists, when we are working with people, we see this and invariably, you'll have a client or a patient who will be seeing you for therapy and then suddenly they fall in love and they just wanna talk about being in love. And the therapist realizes that there's something funny about the fact that this person suddenly fell in love, this person who's had no relationships before, but here they are in the treatment, so what's this doing? And it does, in effect, block the actual undoing of the neurosis because now the person gets focused on this love relationship. So we have to find some way... You have to find some way of... uh, evaluating what is normal and what is not and around relationships it's hard to find what's normal because most love and falling in love is abnormal and it usually has to do with set and setting it means that at any given time a person will get have a reaction to something because there is something inside them that's missing and they fill the hole with that which is missing and they call that love. So as a therapist, when you look at love, do you look at what you consider normalcy or do you necessarily see it as abnormal? As a therapist, I see any exaggerated emotion at any given time or any exaggerated emotional state of being at any given time as questionable, including if you love me, it's questionable it's question it's a little too much our number here today by the way is two one two nine five seven two seven two nine because we will luckily helpily be taking your calls again so if love can be crazy then this whole idea about love and how love forms is another issue that we have to look at now let's look at this idea of one popular way of looking at it is mirror neurons Right? There's a theory about mirror neurons. Linda, could you help me with this one?
3: Sure, Ahmad. The mirror neurons are oftentimes thought as uh, sort of the bloodline of love and the love relationship. The mirror neurons are described by many neuroscientists as those neurons that help us to mirror the other person that we are connected to, be it love, relationship, or whatever, but it's, a, it's an ability to be able to almost see what the other person is doing and thinking before it actually happens, so, so that is. A,
1: so a mirror neuron is described as a neuron that you can create and have a reaction, but also by mimicking, by seeing someone else, you can experience their reaction. So you know how they feel. Now, a lot of couples come to see me, and I have, a, I have a little trick that I use with couples, asking them, would they please, uh, if as you're a man, would you please address this person that you're with, and I want you to be them for a moment. I want you to describe to me, Armand, what this person is feeling. And very often the man will be, if, if, for example, if it's a couple, a married couple, or a, a heterosexual couple, Got to get my qualifications in here. The guy'll say, the guy'll say, has his wife. He'll say, I am, I am, I am his wife. I am angry with him, and I'm angry with him because he doesn't come home early enough for dinner. Now that's the beginning. He shows me what she may or may not feel, and then she will go around, and I'll say, is that reflect what he feel, what you feel about him? And she'll either t- validate that or not validate it. Most frequently, couples who are in trouble cannot reflect what the other one feels. They can only reflect what the other one tells you they feel, but they can't tell you what they feel, which is very important. So, so are you able to tell me what I'm feeling? Can you tell me what I'm feeling about you? Do you know what I mean, Julian? You're getting this as a concept. If you were Armand... How would you say you feel with Armand? With with Julian, and I'll be Julian. Okay, so be so Armand.
2: I'm I'm you. And how I feel when I'm with me, which is Julian?
1: When you're with Julian.
2: When I'm with Julian, which is you. Because you're
1: Armand because you can't be me anymore. Right.
2: Can't be two people. Right. Well, some people can, but Um I feel curious. I feel loving. I feel excited to try to 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 dive in to things. I feel like that that's that's something. You're leaving out the pronouns.
1: Oh, I feel. No, the pronoun is you left out the other side of it. Oh. So you uh, know in, uh, in in other words, as Armand mm. I like you can start with that, okay, sure, start it,
2: so as Armand, i like i like diving in, I like being curious with with you
1: not with you, it's again the person Julian, you're describing yeah. Julian, the good, thank you showing me how this okay. doesn't work um it was it was a good idea I'm let's trying. try it this way if you're linda i'm I'm working on you right okay how does linda feel towards audrey
2: she feels i feel i feel as linda here i'm linda i feel intrigued i feel close but far
1: the good beginning one is do you like her or don't like her? I like her. Right. That's it. See so you start with that. Linda, if you were Julian, you got this? Yes. Right, you were Julian and you were talking about Julian's feeling towards Armand.
3: Mhm.
1: How would you do it? How would okay. you do it Julian? Now?
3: Okay. I think Armand is. No, um, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. You're yes, talking as I'm Julian. I'm speaking from Julian. <laughs> good, okay, I'm Julian, and I think he's. I think he's intriguing. I think he's interesting. I like being with him. I like uh, exploring different subjects. I like being part of what he does. Um, I think he's he's intelligent. I think. He okay, cares now these for are people. things
1: good. So what I get from you is what I get from most couples what you think about the person, but it doesn't say what you feel. What you feel about the person. Mm -hmm. What you feel. What you feel. So see if you could reach down into, since we have this beautiful laboratory here, into what you feel.
3: As Julian, I feel loved, I feel cared for, I feel, um, um, cared about. I feel that, um, um, I feel excited.
1: Okay, good. Thank you very much. ED endings is something that happens to you, not a feeling that you have. So you don't feel loved. So you feel excitement. You feel something when someone loves you. See? Hmm. See, so the ED endings, whenever you see them, shows that it's a reaction that you're having. Good, good. So I'll be um, Linda talking about Julian. I love Julian. I find him beautiful. I find him intelligent. But mostly I care about him and I know he cares about me and I feel connected to him. Now, Linda, did I say anything inaccurate? No. Perfect, right? Perfect, mm-hmm. But what I did was go in deeper to where the heart is, which takes a little more risk. Understand? So as we are trying to define, thank you all for, do you like this?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting, right? I feel like I do it a lot. With,
1: but no, you, lea- you, but you leave out. But I. you leave out the not. pronouns. And mm-hmm. here's the part you miss. You don't say, I love you. I love that you. I love that you this, I love that you that. And because most people wouldn't take that risk. But you do say it to your cat. You did say it to your cat, didn't you? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, your cat was easy. Oh. Your Cat is easy as pie. paw. You still have a cat? Oh, yeah. Do you know we were watching people training cats to use the toilet bowl?
2: That Working. is very strange. Walking,
1: it works perfectly effective. Really.
2: My cat's obsessed with my toilet bowl. That's I have it. no idea. You got it. She, she's ready.
1: So love is kind of tossed around a lot. And we're going to be taking a course. In fact, we have somebody on the line right now. Do we have somebody on the line waiting now? 212-957-2729. Do you know the word love appears so often in songs let me give you an example. How about some of these? Love is all that matters. Love is all around. Love will keep us alive here. You read these. You could read these.
2: A love song. All the love in the world. Tell me that you love me. Love I just will, fall in love again.
1: Love moves in mysterious ways. Love is the answer. Love moves in strange ways. Do you know these songs? I know practically every one of them I could hear. Love me do. Love me do. Love, love me do.
3: Hey, you don't
1: you sing that song, don't you?
3: How about one Wait minute. a minute,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a Julian in a Love Love Me Do. Let me hear mm-hmm. it. Just do it.
2: Love, love me do. You know I love you. I'll always be true. So please
1: love me do. That's incredible, thank you. How does that come out of my mirror neuron? My mirror neuron did that. See, when he sang it, I said, oops, he's got a spot for that in his mind. <laughs> love of my life, love is love. Never knew love like this before. I'll always love you if love is blind. two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. We are taking your calls about the illness that we call love, the sickness, this disturbance. Watch out, my friends. It ain't all good news. That's why it doesn't turn out good. Turns out good for a little while, and then they say the honeymoon is over, and boom, turns to stuff. Because when it's turned on, it's misidentified. It's identified as something. And we say, ah, this is great. This is what real life is like. This is reality. No, that's not reality. Reality's all of it. There are 11,000, 1,187 songs, English songs with love in the title, one thousand one hundred and eighty-seven. Do you think that that's more or less than there should be?
2: There's got to be more. More than one
1: thousand one hundred and
2: eighty-seven. What about all the boyfriends and girlfriends who wrote them for their lovers? Right. Yeah.
1: Two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. Are you sure that thing is? Uh, we had some trouble with our phones just recently. So back to the the training of love. So one of the things that you want to look at when you're training somebody is what a person is missing. And very frequently, a person is missing the very um, symbolic person, like if someone dies, if a woman dies who is very important to you, then what you do is you wind up finding somebody who is that missing person who is just like that person. And sometimes you'll substitute someone. So very often a person who they fall in love with is a substitute person. Now, you could show them that. You could talk to them about that. But they have uh, not necessarily going to be able to identify it. We have somebody on the line there. Hold on a second. Hi, Sam. It's Armand. Oh, Armand. So nice oh, talking. Sam, how nice to get you calling in.
4: Thank you. I, uh, I was struck by something you say, that, that a friend of mine who is a pretty well-known artist, her name is Agnes Dennis, and if you don't know the name, you might remember something she did at the World Trade Center in 1982-83. She planted... Could you
1: turn your radio down, yes, Sam? You're
4: absolutely right. I'll do that in one second.
1: No, do that and I'll wait. Love, love me do. You know I love you. What's the rest?
2: I'll always be true. So
4: she planted a wheat field at the World Trade Center. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes. So she said that love is a sickness to me in uh, a conversation we had about 20 years ago. And um, she's a little older. Uh, She's probably approaching 80. Oops, I'm on the air. I shouldn't say that. But um, she, uh, she was she feeling very strong about this. She was in her 60s when, she, when we had this conversation.
1: So it sounds like she was angry. That, that love itself led her to a place where she felt victimized and she was angry at her past and the choices that she made and um, perhaps rightfully so. Except
4: for, you know, and I'm not a professional, she didn't seem that way at all, and in fact she seemed very well balanced to me, and she made a lot of sense, in spite of the fact that I was in love while, while uh, hearing this, these thoughts.
1: You were in love with someone else?
4: Yes, of course, yes. Uh-huh. But um, the thing is...
1: But when you were in love with someone else, Sam... Sorry? When Agnes spoke to you, did she appreciate your love of your, the person that you had?
4: Uh, she wasn't being dismissive, but she was making it clear that in her view, love is a sickness. But so why, why did you say that other than ironically, if you think that she was being angry? So that that would mean that you're angry too, if you're using that terminology. No, no,
1: no, no. What I'm saying is the way she sounded to say to somebody who goes like if somebody came to me and said, they're in love, I'm not going to say to them love is a sickness.
4: Oh, no, but I wasn't, you know, that was not the object of the conversation. It wasn't my being in love. We were talking in general terms pretty much, I think, the way you're talking today. Did I I completely misread what you you said?
1: No, you're saying something, but I understand there's a confusion here because there's a part of you that I feel, you know, like you were worried about her hearing you say her age, and now you're being a little protective of her, so I'm wondering... If you don't mind, your name is not Sam, but I, but if you don't mind my dipping in. Not at all. Here's a question for you. Did you always protect your mother?
4: Did I always protect my mother? Of course, yes.
1: What do you mean of course? How would I know that?
4: <laughs> well, because I'm a good Italian boy, you know, how could I not protect my mother?
1: Well, I know a lot of Italian men who don't protect their mothers, but I know a lot of Italian boys who do. So it's, it's a question. Protective of her comes through your voice. Okay. And protective means that there's something about her you have to defend. But on the other level, you're saying something to me. You're saying, here's somebody who does something who I love and respect. And he or she does this, but I don't want her to know that it really upset me when she said that.
4: Mm, I sort of lost the thread of. Uh, so, are you talking about. My friend, or are you talking about my mother? Now? I'm
1: talking about you.
4: Okay, so you're talking about me, and can you relate to me in the pronoun all the reasoning that he just did, because I completely, it escaped me. I was trying to understand if it was my mother, my friend. I, I, I didn't <laughs> situation. But situation. You, can you run me through it again? Sam,
1: refer Sam, to- you always protected your mother. How do you feel about that?
4: How do I feel about the fact that I always protected my mother? Yeah.
1: She's still alive.
4: No, she died 10 years ago.
1: How did that feel?
4: Uh, it was, uh, well, the, the interesting thing was that, um, I was completely balanced and, and natural about it. I got a phone call at 6am from Italy. And at 6 p.m., I was on a plane, and uh, I was the first, I am the firstborn, and uh, basically, I completely, without even meaning to, I took charge of everything uh, and made everything happen the way she would have liked it to be. Um, and uh, as you probably don't know, in modern Italy, um, epitaphs—you know that the. the uh, speeches at a funeral are, are completely out of fashion unless it's some sort of state funeral, which my mother's obviously wasn't. But uh, I delivered a speech at the end of the of the mass, and uh, then the body was taken to the cemetery, and I took everybody home, which was about twenty people. There were. Almost a thousand that came to the uh, funeral, but the immediate family came home and, <laughs> inverting the tradition, I cooked a meal for everybody, because I think that's what she would have done. If she
1: well, let me care. ask you something. What did you say on that podium?
4: Uh, it was very brief, and to the point.
1: Could you do it now? Yeah. Uh, do it now, as best you remember. I'm going to try. Do it now, because I a that
4: point. we know our parents in ways that no one else does, and that um, also we, we don't realize that there are people that mean different things to people, and that I was um, around to full church in the middle of the business, with all these people that my mother had touched. So what
1: did you say on that podium? That's that's what I'm that's yeah.
4: what I'm telling you right now, yeah. uh, and that you know I hadn't I hadn't seen how many people were there until I turned around because I was sitting in the first row, and uh, so I said all these things, and I also said, um, "She's going the way she liked in, in a humble um, woodcove, no flowers. That would have been her wish, and." um yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I might have seen a few other things, but these are the things that I remember. It wasn't more than a minute
1: and a half. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. A lot of stuff. What's your real name? Sorry. What's your real name?
4: Oh, I tried to tell.
1: Um, Julian. Julian,
4: but but he couldn't understand me. It's Sante. S a n t e. Sante.
1: Yes. Sante, beautiful, as in blood. <laughs> That's great. And thank you. Thank you. Well thank thank you. you. Thank you for calling and I'll speak to you again, Sante.
4: Okay, all the best. Right. We're
1: gonna take a short break. And when we come back, my friends, more stuff that's interesante. Sexy engineering, you can tell Julian is back. And all of you, we promised to get those flash drives out. they have now be completed. And we're taking your calls today at 212-957-2729. Talking about love, neurosis, and mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. See, being able to reflect another person's feelings is being able to speak from the eye about them and it's amazing how often people can't do it linda it's amazing how rarely um, people can tell what the other person really is feeling i could tell more about what you feel than i'm sure most people can don't you think
3: yes i do i think that um you have um a very um, in-depth intuition. And I think that you, you focus in and you invite that. You invite that connection.
1: But That's what's it feel? I'm always curious, you know, since, since you have a boundless mind when, when you're around me. I mean, I have no real boundaries because I could kind of see through things. What does it feel like? I mean, normally if you decide to just smile and bear it, you can. But around me, I see everything. What's that like?
3: Well, I for me I can only speak for myself, but I feel that it invites it invites an honesty, it invites a clarity, it invites a self exploration. So it invites does that mean you like it? You no, know, I think that your way invites it. Do you so like I it? do, yes, I do like it. Yes. It welcomes me. It makes me feel safe.
1: If we take the word it out of the conversation...
3: Well, you're speaking about your ability to... I know, Can you change it to an to, I or
1: a you. See what that word tends to do? Because I'm trying to teach people this.
3: Sure. Yeah, you invite honesty. You invite from me um, a safety, a safe place to explore and to um, be, be curious about n- yeah. my own limitations and my own... Um, uh, definitions of things so it's exciting I like that it comforts me
1: if we take the word it
3: you comfort me thank you
1: (laughs) I've got to teach this to every therapist listen not just you yes therapists often resort to it's when they're trying to say I or you do
3: do we do that to keep us safer and less vulnerable sure It.
1: it It. Mm -hmm. Two one, two, nine, five, seven, two seven, two, nine. We've had a couple of calls come in, and the calls that have come in somehow got tripwired out. so your phones are open and you could make a call. So the advantage of being able to do this, Linda, and also because you could have it done, being seen is a nice thing. Being seen and being loved for what is seen, that's a very nice thing. Because if you're being seen, and there are a lot of therapists who have children, and you know they commit suicide, high degree of suicide among shrinks children's, children's children, because the children can't hide anywhere. They've got no place to go. And I was speaking to uh, someone today about what's happening in that New Jersey school where four people committed suicide. Do you know about this, Julian. Elizabeth was telling us about in her school. I think it's in Tremont, and four people. You might Google that. Take a look, see if that's true. Who uh, four suicides? One kid walked in front of a train. Another kid took these pills. The whole place is up in arms. But what they have is a very kind of place where everything is is observed. You're seen everywhere. And I think suicide sometimes is an attempt by a teenager to just have a place that they could privately go where nobody could follow, finally. Hey, let's take Bernie. Bernie's on the line. Hi, Bernie. This is Armand DeMille.
5: Hi, Armand. Yes, Bernie. Uh, This is the time of uh, Lent for those that are Catholic, Christian, and... You, uh, discuss the love could that you Christ could had. you
1: could you take down the radio in the background?
5: I, I just did. Can you uh, discuss a little bit the difference between the love of uh, that Jesus Christ had for people and the what we call love from the music that you're talking about and the love that we feel for each other
1: as partners? Well, let me ask you about the love that you feel as a representative of Jesus Christ during Lent. Because you represent you represent that, that idea, that feeling. You kind of it kind of um embraces you and empowers you right about now, right? Yes. You take it on with those with those you know, with those that Ash Wednesday and everything that follows is it's it's, right. it's it's all about the grace. So could you describe the kind of love you're talking about? That was, as you see it, embodied by Jesus Christ.
5: He had uh, um, what is the perfect love. Uh, it didn't matter if you were a uh, uh, relative or not, and he appears to have even more love to humanity than to his own mother. That's what it appears to be. That, was that that's what it was. Uh, from what I've been reading and the, you know, all the different uh, um, movies that they're showing, in fact, there is a movie that I No, wait, 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 know. wait.
1: Okay, so this is a little difficult, Bernie, because what you're telling me is, I mean, we know Christ was a judgmental person, judgmental being that he looked and said, this is evil, this is sinful, this is good, this is loving, this is okay. He didn't accept everything. He was no. not. He was not fully accepting and embracing of everything. That's correct. Okay, so there is this peace inside you. That represents love of what is good. Now, tell me something, Bernie, that you experience in your life where that love can touch something else, another human. Do you have other people who feel your love?
5: Oh, yes, sure.
1: And who are those people?
5: Well, I would say uh, people that I deal with on a regular basis out there.
1: Right, and what about you? What about you living alone, though, aren't you?
5: No, I don't live
1: alone. Okay, you live with family? Oh, sure. Okay, what about in your house? If there could be just a little more of Jesus' love in your house, with whom would you wish it most to uh, enter?
5: Well, of course I will uh, wish it uh, to be more with uh, my wife and my kids.
1: Right, because they're missing some of it, aren't they?
5: Um, not that there are, but it's just that something that you wish first and uh, for that to happen and this is what was the, i wanted you to like discuss a little if you can um is jesus christ the love that he had is that a different kind of love from uh, bonding that oxytocin
1: sure sure and what i'm saying to you is yes bernie you have a couple of levels of loving one level of loving that you're looking for is a loving that is bonded embraced connected it's beautiful you're looking to feel safe in a safe world but it sense as you speak to me i hear that around you you have people who are angry you have people who are resistant or people who are separated and there's a part of you that just wishes you could just love them you know you just wishes you could just kind of put your arms out and embrace them and there's a tear somewhere in your heart because that's not present that's what I hear, Bernie. Am I so far off?
5: Um, not quite. I mean, it might be some truth to that, uh, but I was looking at more from a philosophical point. I
1: understand that. I know. I know and very that often because
5: I, I asked myself even when I was younger, uh, what, the, what is really love? Uh, and as you discuss it, you know, in all these different songs that they discuss, and I don't even think many of these songs know. What love really means. I mean, it might be talking about sexual kind of thing or, you know, appealing towards another person. Uh, love, uh, if you, I have read some of the scriptures on Jesus, uh, when the mother even asked him, Where were you been? Uh, he said, Why were you looking for me? Uh, you know, that, uh, this is just a difficult thing to, to, to understand. Uh, his kind of love that he, even, even when he was on the cross, he acts you know, he told, you know, his you know, God, the creator that forgive these people because they have, they don't know no they do not
1: know what they do. So Bernie so Bernie, really there's a, a piece okay. of you. There's a part of you that is talking about your ability to feel love at that level of forgiveness and appreciation. And then I hear there's a part of you that wishes that you could have other people join you in that place. That's right. I understand. That's correct, yeah. I understand. Maybe this holiday season or during this season, more of that will manifest. And thank you for bringing it to thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, um, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Bernie. It's very interesting, Love of God. Two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. Um. It's such... I met a woman the other day. She was 80 years old and she said to me, I'm just waiting to lay down with Jesus. I'm waiting to die so I could be there because there's a peace, there's a something you want in there that you're trying to find. There's a thing there that you try to find where the person is not coming back at you because love relationships are so difficult. It's like war. It's like you gotta make a war. I heard recently about a special bed. It costs $6,000. And here's the way the bed is, according to Kevin. According to Kevin, this bed, you take this bed, and you could put, press any number of buttons on the bed, and it makes perfect, perfectly, it works perfectly into your body, and therefore you have a perfect bed. So I asked him, well, what happens with the person on the other side of the bed? Well, she's got her controls, too. Well, okay, you've got your controls, and she's got her controls. How did the two of you get together? He said, Well it's kind of interesting, but my suspicion in hearing it is that they haven't gotten together. They've got a bed now that's got two different levels on it, and you're in your spot and I'm in my spot and it's maybe beautiful, but it's hard to get together. Hey, we've got Al on the line. Let's talk to Al. Hi, Al, you're on the phone. Greetings, I'm on. Greeting, greeting, greeting. Five men.
6: Hi there. Yeah, it's just ironic. I was listening to you talk about Christ. And, like, years ago, I ran across a book, and it was called The Teacher, and it, it kind of um, gave a different perspective on his teachings, meaning, you know, the Christ. But what stuck out the most was, like, there was this unconditional, I guess it's love. I, I don't know. Love is kind of hard to okay, say. Okay, so how about acceptance? You know, that, that, that came through the book that I normally wouldn't have gotten from, like, the Bible or whatever. Sure.
1: Now, do you have, you know that feeling you're talking about? Yes. Okay, now that's a feeling that you get of somebody who feels good towards somebody, towards people, right? Right. And you know I feel that way. Right. You know I have that kindness, that kind of feeling towards people. Correct. I don't judge anybody. Right. Okay? And I, I mean, luckily. Uh Uh-huh. Luckily. I'm not tooting my horn. I just luckily don't judge.
6: Right. Right.
1: Now, Do you find yourself in judgment of people?
6: Yes. To be honest, yes. Because I think there's a level of personal security, you know, that it's hard to just, you know, be open and and not get hurt in the process, I think. So, you know, usually I tend to, you know, kind of assess, you know, where a person is coming from. If I, you know, I meet them somewhere or whatever, whatever. And then I can, you know, slowly begin to, you know, let my guard down and, and feel comfortable about being me.
1: Okay, so what about romance?
6: Um, what about it? <laughs>
1: what about romance for you? How do you trust anybody?
6: Well, there, it's not so much that I have to have a full level of trust. There is a certain vulnerability that comes with dealing with human beings. We, you, it's so hard to put your finger on, like, one specific characteristic or what have you.
1: Well, do you have a, a being like that in your life right now? Pardon me? Do you have a being like that in your life right now? Yes, I do. Okay. Now this being who's in your life, what's the major problem?
6: Well, we don't really have major problems. Like there, there's a, um, a level of acceptance that, you know, I tend to apply that I have to give people room to be who they are, even though they, they, I might not agree with something that they may be, you know, endorsing or what have you.
1: So but he may he, have a different attitude than right. you.
6: Like I like I just try not and and, and 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 I try not to be the end all, like as if I know all the answers. Like I understand, I
1: but for example, tell me if this is true, Al. Yeah. He may feel like it's okay not to be monogamous, and you don't necessarily feel that way.
6: Uh, so your question is:
1: Is is it an issue of monogamy?
6: No, not not uh, not for me.
1: I know, but what about for him?
6: Well, I'm not sure I'm
1: on. I'm not sure. Okay, so it's a question. But isn't it funny that that question would appear right here on the phone? Right. How could you not be sure about it? Because it is a question, and it's something that makes you said something a little earlier. Mm -hmm. You want to feel safe. Right. And for Al, the absence of monogamy in his relationship with this other man is not making him feel safe. But he wants to be totally accepting. And on the other level, Al is saying, it's okay. You know, you do what you have to do, and I will see where I'm going to go with that. Right. So you're trying to bring yourself to the Christ in you. Right. It's very difficult. It is. It's very difficult. But they say
6: it's the journey that, you know, we have to find the joy. So each lesson, when when you find yourself, you wake up in the morning, you've got another day at this thing called life. And you just try to do the best you can to get to the world.
1: As long as you don't have to use a hair shirt, you know, a shirt to whip yourself on the back every night, <laughs> you know, to make yourself feel uh, like you're alive. Right, right. You're a brave man. Al, thank you very much for calling. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Happy Easter. You want to know where Easter got its name? I'm now going to tell you. Okay, here's the story. I made this up. A kid asked me, where did Easter get its name? I said, what's the difference between the Jews and the Goyim? I'm not Jewish, but Goyim means non-Jews. Did you know that, Julian? Okay, the difference between the Jews and the non-Jews. What's the difference between the Jews and the non-Jews? What kind of bread do they eat? Jews don't eat bread that is leavened, right? Their right. bread is flat. Goyim—that's other than Jews. I hope this is not an insult. Does they eat bread with leavening in it? Therefore, what makes leavening? Do you know what makes bread rise? Yeast. That's right. Happy Yeaster. I
2: walked right it, into was, that one.
1: It, it was originally Happy Easter, but you see, you have two Y's there: Happy with a Y, and then yeast with a Y, and they shortened it to Happy Easter. And that's where we get Happy Easter, celebration of the fact that we don't put yeast in our bread, or we do put yeast in our bread. Here we go: two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. I hope I didn't get in trouble over that. What kind of troubles I have. Hi there. This is Armand DeMille. Oops.
7: Hold
1: on. Hold on. Ronald. This is amazing. Seven uh, men. Hey, Ronald, we need a good private place for you to talk as I hear so much noise in the background. Are yeah, you by chance? Now? Are you on? on? Um, no,
7: no. I'm on a regular phone. You're on a regular I, phone, I, 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 not on
1: speakerphone, Right.
7: Oh, there you go. Now, now I have it. No, no, regular phone. Okay. Regular man. land phone.
1: Now I've got you. Listen <coughs> to that. The intimacy of this is driving me crazy. I love it. Hiya, Ronald.
7: Uh, hi, how you doing? Good. Uh, 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 anyway, you yeah, guys, it's really informative and really nice. I was wondering what to say. Actually, I was wondering whether emotional development, in other words, if you're immature or, uh, you know what I mean, underdeveloped uh, emotionally, Because I'm a person that was uh, labeled more than once as emotionally disturbed. When I was younger, I had a couple of breakdowns. (coughs) And uh, (laughs) another one I was asking, in other words... Wait, let me ask you a question. Hold on, One can love if one is not, uh, I don't know about intelligence, but uh, immature... In other words, you need to... I still hear your radio on.
1: I got to get you to shut that radio off, Darnold. Oh, yeah? Yeah, shut it off completely.
7: Okay, there it is. Oh, wait a minute. It's that the other one is on. Hold on. Just give me a quick second. Sure, I will. Okay, I got it now. How perfect. Thank you. Yeah, in other words, like a lot of times, we might be, might be, I don't know, Mistaking unresolved childhood drives for love, and maybe by the same token, maybe without childhood drives or just the fundamental reality of 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 need, once you uh, are come into being, uh, uh, is is a, a part of all the things that we construe as you know that we think of as love and desire. and and yearn for, I'm 74 now, so I ain't too much into that, but, I tell you, Ronald, stop a second, you've been through. And getting her to really appreciate you, I don't know, it gets really involved.
1: Yes, it does, and you, you're 74 years old and you're still in there and you've learned so much. There's so much that you seem to know because your introspection what you just said to me, and the way you described it, was so beautiful, it touches my heart.
6: Okay, dude, because thanks, you, thanks. well, and
1: especially thinking you had a couple of breakdowns as a kid, coming all this way, all this distance. So, is there love in your life right now?
7: Well, I have, you know, grown children. I'm 74. You got grandchildren, and, too. Um, I, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I have great regard and great respect for my wife and my children. I don't live with her. But, but um, you know, I've grown to the point. I, I mean, I, I can't, you know, yeah. I guess I could say I'm, I, I'm loved and, 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 and regarded. I think it's coming along a little better in the last few years. In other words, a sense of, mm-hmm. um, of, of, of merit in my own life, because I have a strong uh, heroin addiction from the long-ago past, and, you know, you wind up getting arrested a lot. You go to jail the first time. I had a little break, uh, breakdown. I guess I have a chemical imbalance to some degree, but, I, you know, I don't need any medication or anything like that. But I'm always, I remember you had that program on betrayal. I'm always sort of, you know, on that edge where I kind of have a tendency to take something a little more uh, personal when it comes to someone not regarding me uh, stuff like that you know i still go through that in my mind yeah you know?
1: wow. yeah you've come an awful long way with that ronald and you've got my deep respect I, okay you. here's
7: another one i just wanted to ask you you may not be able to speak on it do you think that homosexual love might be just an exaggerated need for a friend which i can remember when i was young When I was younger?
1: Ronald, I think homosexual love as well as heterosexual love can be an exaggerated need for a friend and a family. I don't think it's just one or the other because there's as many heterosexual relationships about which I have question as to what the motivation is as there are the the homosexual
7: (laughs) ones. you just just kind of far out. Okay,
1: Okay. thank you for calling in, Ronald. Thank you so much.
7: Ah, thanks for hearing me. Right. Okay, thank you.
1: This is Armand Melville with the Positive Mind. We'll have to be going. We'll be back with you next Tuesday at um, at one p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday every week from here on in, unless there's some special reason that we're not special. Thanks to Michael G. Haskins, Julian Joyello, Linda Vanella, Ronald, and all the other gang. Thank you, and thank you, thank you. Go to thepositivemind.com. Send me an email.